Are you a home educator starting Latin and feeling overwhelmed? Are you a Latin teacher looking for new inspiration and ideas? Or are you a casual learner beginning your journey into ancient languages? If so, this podcast is for you. In each episode, language teachers and experts come together to share their knowledge and experience with you in an accessible, fun, and inspirational format. We'll break it all down for you, from teaching tips, to choosing a curriculum, to staying motivated and keeping it fun. We hope this podcast helps you become the best undead language learner you can be, wherever you are on your journey. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Demystifying Latin and Greek, Undead Languages for Living Brains. Yes, welcome back, and uh, the holidays are upon us, and our semesters have concluded. We are two tired teachers here to chat about some of the fun stuff that we did in the classroom this semester. So we're going to talk about, uh, at least currently, we're going to talk about games that we've done with the, I guess, middle school and under age group. We'll focus on that. I would... I would argue that there's quite a lot of games you can play with college students if you get in the right mode, but definitely yeah, the so younger we, ages are where you get the crazy energy for the crazy games, which can be the silliest and the most entertaining. Yes, and I think for our prospective audience, we uh, there's less demand amongst oh, our indeed. listeners for what to do with college students. Yes, yes, um, probably so. With high school and under, uh, and I've had some success playing various latin games with uh the group i have in particular particularly in mind is the uh, kindergartners i worked with several years ago now and so i'll talk about that a little bit and then you can talk about your experience with your middle schoolers and just a little bit of inspiration about you know fun things you can do that also enhance learning and you know, make things a little bit more fun for you and for the uh, the age group. Because one of the things that I, I do increasingly believe in is the sort of necessity of allowing the students to have some time to be in motion and to have their whole bodies engaged with the subject. Because I don't think just sitting down and learning while you're sitting still is always very effective, especially with younger groups. Yes. It's something that we're growing out of the quote unquote traditional classroom where it's sit in your chair with your book and sit and stay put and write and teacher at the front, students in the seats, that's it. You know, we're, we're moving away from that. And the, I think one of the things that we want to talk about as we go through this is, you know, children love the chaos to some extent, and there is a lot of joy and a lot of learning to be had in the chaos, both in terms of the subject and also the children's social emotional growth. But how do we construct these activities such that they allow for that motion and that fun and that level of chaos that is good for the children without devolving into the level of chaos where nothing is being learned and you're just chasing um, small ones and putting out fires? Yeah, I mean, I think that's why, at least from from my experience, the experience of people, various people that I talk to, that oftentimes we feel looking back on our childhood we feel like the most skills that we learned came from things like sports 
or dance or learning musical instruments, things that have more of a holistic learning approach where your body is engaged and um, you know, and I think language is very much like that as well, because language is a very holistic thing. And um, kind of like we talked about in the last episode where we discussed learning Latin in the comprehensible input setting, mm-hmm. as our guests pointed out, and there's this sort of social element to learning, which mm-hmm. is when you learn the word for something in action, when you're seeing it in the real world and you're doing things with it. It you learn it in a more solid way. It stays with you, and that social element enriches the learning experience. Yeah, definitely. So through that the end. semester, though, I would just like to say that I put a little page at the end of my exams, a little evaluation for the students to fill out, and they were actually quite insightful in a lot of ways. Some of them were writing, "I really liked this activity that we did because it allowed me to get out of." my chair and have some movement. And I feel like that really helped me learn. Oh yeah. And it was interesting to see them put that into words. Just for me as a teacher, I love to solicit input from the students because while sometimes the answer I get is what would you change in the classroom? And they say, I want to eat in the classroom. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, I did ask. So that's fair, but that's not going to happen. But on the flip side, you know, when they say, I would really like to, you know, get out of my chair and wiggle around more. I'm like, okay, I can, I can work towards that. So, you know, it's not just us seeing this, like the students feel and know and appreciate when we make an effort to make it possible for them to move and wiggle. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, Yeah, I guess we can maybe talk about the the kindergarten age group first. I have Um, less experience with that, but I don't have, I wouldn't say I have a ton of experience, but I did teach a rather chaotic kindergarten class for (laughs) one school year when I was in college. I had, mm, I want to say 12 kids, so it was a you know fairly sizable class, and I learned very quickly that trying to make them just sit on the mat and listen or repeat stuff at me was really not working. It made me feel very frustrated, it made them feel very frustrated, and so I just, within a couple months, I had, I started coming up with a lot of other things to do, so we would do um caput scapula genua digiti so head shoulders knees and toes oh nice was completely like i let them yell i let them you know jump around and all of that i let them kind of wiggle while they were doing that and it was kind of funny because you know the word the latin words do not fit (laughs) (laughs) at all and they kind of liked that so Um, I think, yeah, they know how it goes. And so ruining the rhythm is like a little act of, I don't know, rebellion for them. It's like funny that it's not right. Yeah. So we would do that every week for a little while. And then uh, another thing that I did that I did not think would work, but it totally did work was um, duck, duck, goose, but with the noun declension endings. So ah, I, I, um, ah, I, orum, is, as, is. Uh, and we we would do you know a few weeks on each set of declension endings. And we just did the the first and second declensions, as I remember. I mean, I had them for a whole year. Um, and so I would tell them, okay, the 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 goose is gonna be, you know, the ending us. So we're gonna sit in a big circle. We're gonna go around and one person's gonna have to chant all the endings. And then when they get to this specific ending, 
you touch that person and that's the next person that has to go around and chant <laughs> the endings so that allowed them to you know be physically involved and it did actually work because by the end of the year they had those endings memorized i didn't really try to explain too much what the point of that was because you know they're kindergartners and they're not going to understand but what I hope that did is because this this program was an ongoing program and they would continue doing it through the next several grades. So what I hoped would happen is that when they got to first and second grade, third grade, they would have those endings memorized already. Um, and that would give them a little bit more of a foundation for when they learned more quote unquote real Latin in the later grades. So that's the two main things that I remember. I mean, we taught, I taught them a few basic commands like stand up sit down um or you know be quiet those kinds of things and then you, know, you can teach them very motion-centered commands and they're not kindergartners but what i've seen from some of my colleagues who teach the sixth grade or the fifth grade so grades of that level where the kids are still pretty small like 10 11 mm-hmm. they play um not even it's not even a quite Simon says, which we play with the older kids when they're old enough to you know, be super focused and pay attention to when you say Simon says or don't say Simon says. But we would play a game where basically it was just the teacher giving instructions in Latin, but you ha- spice it up. So you're giving instructions, like you said, like stand up and sit down, surgite, concidite, but then you teach them the difference between singular and plural by being kind of like a little spi- like spicy about it, so to speak. Like you start with and make them get up really slowly and be like, and then you start doing single people. You point to one specific student and say, and then one person, and then you go up to one person and raise your hand really slowly and go, and then the kids get really into it and the one kid you come up to will get up super slowly and then just like sit down really hard and they find that hilarious like they'll be watching the kid and if the kid does it wrong they're all kind of giggling so you know just use your voice and like be theatrical with them they get a kick out of it it's really funny to watch the sixth graders play that game. They adore it. No, that sounds really fun. And I bet the remember. kindergartners even could get into like oh, saying, yeah. stand up really slowly. I love the I love the chanting the endings like as a game. Cause when because the endings have kind of a pattern to them when you mm-hmm. say them. And the kids can kind of learn that intuitively without, like you said, having it explained. And yeah, then when I they didn't... get to, yeah, first, second grade, they'll be like, ah, I, I, um, ah. Yeah, Aram, East, Us, East, and they like they're having fun with it because it's something they know and they can all do it together. And they've done it as a group, and you know that adds to it the fun. Yeah, that was the idea. And again, trying to not focus too much on worrying about all the explanations because even, I mean, heck, even this past quarter trying to explain certain things to college students where you know inflected languages are not, they're not. You know, they're not natively speaking an inflected language, so then having to explain why was actually surprisingly difficult. (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah, it is quite tricky. Like if they spoke German, they might understand inflection a little bit, but they do not. I did have one student who took high school German, so I think Ah. he had a little bit more of a concept of um, 
kind of how this works, but just in general, yeah, I, I didn't, you know, and generally speaking, it seems like when you go and learn a language immersively, you don't necessarily get all the explanations for stuff. So you just learn it. And then if you go in deeply later, and then it all makes sense because it's already kind of in your head. You already like, oh, yes, I understand this intuitively, instinctively. And it's, yeah, so that was kind of my mentality. And I, I assume that most of these kindergartners were going to be learning Latin as, you know, through their elementary school because of this program that I was a part of. So because we had, it was through eighth grade. And so there was, you know, every grade had a, a Latin teacher that would come in twice a week and do Latin with them. Uh, and many of them would go on to keep doing it in high school as well. So a lot of it was about just kind of building a very basic foundation. And I think it's very successful. Uh, so. I've seen a lot of, well, and heard of a lot of kids that kept going through high school. And then like as high schoolers were able to jump into some of the college translation classes uh, because they had that foundation for a long time. So I'll add this one in um, from what I've seen of students who had a similar experience to that. And in the school network, I'm part of, they do, you know, a little bit of Latin, kind of like you were describing a Latin teacher will come in like a couple times. There's the homeroom teacher and then the Latin teacher comes in and brings a little Latin to the littles. And then once they get to sixth grade, then they take Latin one and they've got this little foundation. So they doesn't feel super foreign to them. But one of the things I noticed that they do with the little ones before they get to sixth grade and take Latin as a full-time subject was they do chorusing. And I noticed this because when I came into a fifth grade classroom, the first time I visited the school, the students had a certain number of chorused responses that they just knew without having to be prompted or told. And the first one, which uh, a visitor in the classroom had no idea, but I, as a Latin teacher, was pretty familiar with this, was I walked straight in and I said, salve te discipuli. And without missing a beat, every student in the room says, salve magistra. And the other teacher visiting was just like, how did they know? But the kids love it, you know, as they know what to say. And they like to say it as a big group. And there's just a joy in saying something all together loudly. So I think, you know, like you were saying with the endings, you know, that this is something that can bring them joy, even without too much wiggling, is if they can all yell together, mensa, 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 they find it super fun. And then again, it's the social emotional learning of doing something as a chorus, as a group, as a team. Yeah, I think that is, is very helpful and important. So yeah. I and mean, fun. Yeah. And it's, if you know, going into it, you know, and, and I guess I guess a lot of this would be aimed at people that are looking at potentially teaching in these kinds of grade school environments or, you know, even at home. Um, you don't have to have a ton of prior experience to start jumping into these things, I don't mm -hmm. think. Well, you, you and I both had homeschooling experience in this regard. What we're talking about right now is if you have a group of kids, of course, because yeah. you need you need a group to play Latin ending duck duck goose or whatever we're right, calling it can definitely happen in I mean there's a lot of co-op situations where yeah. you know parents might be pooling resources and then you do have groups that you are working with um, but even without a big group you know there are ways you can make these things fun like mm -hmm. I learned the Latin endings when I was little through songs we had you know little songs that went with them the one I think that's most famous is the 
verb ending song with a moa masamat. You've probably heard that one, right? Yes. There's oh, there's, there's also like, a um, there's a version of La Bamba that song on YouTube, oh but it's with a moa masamat. <laughs> I think yeah, we laughed too. How long did we laugh over that? <laughs> No, it was great, I, though. Oh my gosh, if I showed that to my middle schoolers, they would like die in the best way. They would be laughing so much. And it's more like probably they would probably remember that more than they would remember the original song. Probably. But like stuff like that is is great. And it's like it is very helpful, I think. And you don't need a big group of kids to do that. You know, if you show them like a silly song, then it just becomes a fun thing they do. So there's a lot of stuff you can do in that regard to help them remember yeah. vocabulary and verb endings and all And for that. yourself too, if you're a teacher that's only, you know, if you're like a homeschool parent that's only a couple steps ahead of where your kids are at, there's no harm in you <laughs> seeing yourself, you know, as a kind of experiment of, you know, I'm learning this too and, you know, I can participate in this as well and you yeah know, it's good for my own learning and it's like we talked about in the last episode too you have to learn sikut parwili like children be mm-hmm. humble and ready to engage in the fun and the silliness and the mistakes that you will inevitably make yes so that's yeah some of the activities we did um i think you said you worked with eight-year-olds recently yeah, i've more recently been working with eight-year-olds which um that one so that's in the context of a homeschool co-op um Mm -hmm. and it's a smaller group of kids and there's uh the dynamics of co-ops are very interesting because there tend to be more parents around so there's um a little bit more oversight of what's going on um this one i've tried to be a little bit more individualizing because i have you know, there's one student in particular I have in mind right now who's very interested in animals. She really loves birds. And so uh, I ended up, things kind of, sometimes they devolve into chaos and it's not, I, I don't have exclusive control of the group because, you know, other parents are present. So other parents, you know, they make their own decisions about what they want to do. Um, please excuse my children in the background. <laughs> I ended up, you know, sometimes when things kind of, turn into chaos and there's like multiple things going on. I'll just sort of try to, you know, hone in on one student that's paying attention or kind of wants to learn some new things. So we'll do animals. I've done animals with, you know, a couple of them that were, you know, still kind of able to be present. Um, or, you know, we've done colors, um, stuff like that. It's um, just teaching them very basic phrases. I taught them some basic commands um, and I've, you know, tried to, uh, make that a much more kind of physical embodied kind of experience. So, you know, we're standing up, standing down, running around. Um, I taught them, you know, dance and we're kind of doing that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a little bit, it's interesting. I co- different co-ops kind of have different, uh, different dynamics depending on who's involved. So I feel like the current situation is a little bit more, it's a little bit less like a classroom and it's a little bit more kind of like a revolving door. Like there's lots of different things going on all at once. So it's a little challenging, but. Yeah. And I mean, that is both the blessing and the curse of homeschool type situations in that there's, it doesn't feel as structured sometimes, sometimes. Yeah. 
but at the same time, there's, you know, a flexibility and a fluidity to it that can be wonderful for the students and the teachers in many ways. Yeah. And I don't feel any pressure to stay, you know, to stick to a strict schedule or anything like that. We don't really have any massive goals that we're trying to reach with a lot of this stuff. And it's, it's more kind of for fun and just, you know, introducing them to the concept of, uh, you know, different languages have different ways of expressing things. Um, so I, yeah, that would be once you move up from that, uh, it was a long time since I did this. And if I had to do it again, I would probably have a whole world of different ideas. But a while ago, I taught a Latin camp for it was around third, fourth grade aged kids. So we've moved up a little bit to, you know, we're not kindergarten here, but with those kids, I think they were like nine, somewhere around nine. Um, with those kids, I did a lot of, I did still a lot of the like making room for them to run and wiggle and move. Um, but some of the things that I did that made, got them engaged was, you know, as I was teaching them, like Latin verb endings, I would use colors to really enhance their understanding of what was going on. So mm-hmm. it would be like amoa masamat. So here's the, the root of the verb, am. Now we're going to put on the endings, os, to, mus, tis, nt. And then, you know, the am would be blue and then all the endings would be red. And mm-hmm. then you would have the kids um, use two different colors they could choose and then write the start um, and then the endings on each word. And that, and like the colorfulness, you know, it made it feel for the kids like they were doing, you know, a coloring book. I would have boxes for them to write them in and, you know, help them to learn the difference between each things with like color-coded aspects. And then, you know, I would have them like draw, you know, a big heart or something to represent the word. So like things like that, once you do get them sitting down when they're done wiggling or when you want to have like a quiet activity briefly, can you know, the kids using colors will help them to learn those things. Yeah, that, I did that a little bit with my um, college students where we, and I, because one time I had uh, some colored chalk and we did that. It's a very helpful learning tool. Uh, I think you should talk about the, some of the games you've done with your middle school group, like your uh, drawing challenge. That sounds oh, yes. really fun. So once we got to, yeah, with the middle school age group, the games can become more complex, but as we say, kawe, be careful how complex your games get because you have to walk a fine line between having rules and not too many rules or else it just turns into chaos again. But one of the things I do with the middle schoolers, um, I will tell you that in the middle school class, one of their favorite things is vocabulary. They love learning vocabulary because we have so many good games that go with it. So one of the things with vocabulary is that um, we try to avoid having them write in English because the more we can keep them thinking and working in Latin, the better it tends to be for them remembering it. And so instead of having them write, you know, just the English definition for it, we try to do what we call picture dictionaries. So we'll give them a sheet with boxes and then next to each box, they write the word. So I'll say, okay, you're learning conies and that means dog. And instead of having them write Connie's, they draw a dog in the box. Or I'll say saltare, which means to dance. Instead of having them write to dance in that box, I'll have them draw a picture of someone dancing. So picture dictionaries are really fun. The kids really enjoy them. 
they get to tap into a creative side of their brains and they get to, you know, at that point when we do picture dictionaries, they can pull out colored pencils and markers and whatever they want and just enjoy. Yeah. And that's where letting them use the colors can help so that they, they feel they have a little bit more room to do, to interpret it how they want. But yeah, that's picture dictionaries. And we do a lot of that kind of stuff because when we do vocabulary quizzes, we say we're not going to write any English on this quiz. No English whatsoever. You have two options. You can either describe the word in other Latin or you can draw it. Most of the time they draw it, but one of their favorite things is to do opposites. So when you're doing a word on a Latin quiz, like let's say it says bonus, you're like, well, how do I draw good? And you don't. You write um, contrarium malus, like the opposite. Contrarium est malus, the opposite is bad. And then, or we have a little symbol that means opposite. It's an arrow pointing both ways. Okay. And they can do the little opposite symbol and then write the thing it's opposite from. And then it's like a little bit like a picture again for them. Yeah, that's a good idea. And yeah, so a little bit less on the like physical motion side, a little bit more on the uh, creative artistic side, which is good. We also allow them, um, well, with... In order to get the physical side worked into worked into the uh, the vocabulary learning, we do. I like to do. And by the way, in my evaluations that I did with the students this semester, their absolute favorite game was this Latin Pictionary. I will pick two artists, and then there's two sides to the board and two teams, and then the two artists will get a Latin word that'll hold up on a note card, and then they'll draw that thing on the board and then the job of the two teams is they have a mini whiteboard and the job of the two teams is to write the latin word that they think the artists are drawing and then i will give them a signal and then they hold their boards up in the air and i'll tell which team got it sometimes they both get a point and at that point i have the quiet point and that's whichever team was quieter gets a bonus point and so they're extra motivated there. They'll be like hunched over the whiteboard. They'll be like, guys, what is it? Shh, don't and it's really entertaining. <laughs> so, you know, there are like ways you can work this in where there's like a bonus extra thing they can get, you know, like sometimes the bonus point will be good team membership, you know, good team playing. So, you know, if the teams are like, Shh, shut up, you're like, okay, bad team, bad team player behavior right there. This team didn't say shut up to each other. Bonus point, <laughs> you know, like. There's all sorts of things you can work in there that I know I keep saying this, but enhance like the social emotional aspect of learning. Yeah, that's, that's good. That's a lot of fun. I mean, we did a game kind of like that with my college class this last quarter where we did, what did we do? We had two teams and they were given a English to Latin sentence. So they had to translate something from English into Latin and they all had their, the two teams had two whiteboards. And so they were, um they were both kind of working on that at the same time and then would get points for you know however i don't know i don't remember how i did it exactly but there were points for kind of accuracy um which is kind of fun and yeah i'm i've been thinking about ways to work this in and maybe this is a great time for me to be talking and thinking about this because when i gave the students that little what was your favorite activity what activities confused you 
uh, what would you like to change or what would you like to not do anymore or things like that. I got all sorts of input and I've been exploring, they do their little Latin readings where they read the story that's in our lingua Latina book. And that was one of the things that most students said, oh, that was really hard. That was really difficult for me. And I was thinking, you know, how can we make that a challenge or make it something the students will get into in a different way? Because the reading's important, but if all the stu- if, a, if a large number of them are saying, "Ooh, this is challenging for me," uh, it's a moment for me to take a step back and say, "What can I do to make this more fun for them?" Not because they need to be entertained all the time, but because if I can hook them into it, then they will be more invested. And so, you know, I was thinking of things I could do along the lines of what we've been talking about, like maybe say. Um, work with the person next to you and draw a little comic strip of what's happening in your story or work with the person next to you and circle words you don't know or things where they can work together with that little social element and make it a challenge or a fun race or you know a little bit of a game for them so you know these kind of things are things I think about constantly what can I do to get the kids engaged physically in this game so that they're learning with their bodies and their minds Um, and it's just always more fun that way no it is and for the teacher as well yes (laughs) boring to sit there lecturing and yeah like okay i'll let's read the story and i'll just you know issue corrections from on high let's say nobody (laughs) wants that so that is yeah you try to have a student-led classroom as we say have them do as much as they can yeah and you get them pulling words out of their own memory bank. Yeah, that was one of the exercises that I kind of thought was chaotic. And then, you know, you were just talking about how you have to sometimes embrace the chaos in a classroom. And I realized uh, in my students' responses this semester, I played this game where I put a picture, I projected a picture up on the board. And then I had the students work in teams to write down as many words as they could about the picture. And then we would go through each team and they would say their words. And if other teams had those words, they had to cross it off, kind of like Boggle. And I thought it was chaotic. I was like, ooh, this game didn't work the way I thought it would. And then at the end of the year, all the students were like, we loved that game. It was so much fun. And that was one of those moments where I, as a teacher, had to take a step back and say, as an adult, I was like, yikes, that was crazy. And the students were like, dude, that was crazy. And like, oh. <laughs> We had very different perspectives on this game, but also it was nice for me to have that moment and realize, you know what? They liked that. And the fact that I was like, oh, that was a little too crazy was a moment for me to say, but you know, they're, they're kids and that was fun mm-hmm. for them. And it's okay if sometimes I'm like, whoa, that was a crazy day in the classroom because they actually still learned. And even though yeah. I felt a little overwhelmed by like the crazy, I realized it was actually a good thing. And sometimes I just need to take a deep breath and be like, it's okay. It's okay if it's crazy. Uh, Yeah. And that's, yeah, Annie can tell you that with kids, you've got to embrace the crazy. Yeah, it's, it's fine. It's, it's difficult, especially, you know, some people get more overwhelmed than others by noise and even the kids. Yeah. I have some kids who like when it's loud, just kind of hunker down over the desk, like guys, can we not? Yeah. Which is probably something we should address in future episodes as well with students that have special needs when it comes to learning, especially in a classroom setting when things do get crazy and 
you will have some students that will shut down because it's yeah. too loud or there's too much going on. And you know, how do you how do you deal with that? Because again, it's yeah. another one of those, you know, the art of the classroom is having, you know, making sure you are, you know, dragging everybody along as much as you can while also balancing everyone's different needs. I want to say this because uh, one of my fellow teachers, she gave me this analogy the other day that was just beautiful in the craziest way. Um, and this especially applies to a middle school classroom. She said, especially in a middle school classroom, the, every class is like a loaf of bread. Like there are so like, it's not actually that complicated. Like the ingredients you need are pretty simple. It's like water, flour, yeast, and salt. And that's like it. But she said, all it takes is like a little thing to go wrong. And you're like, what did I do wrong? Why did my loaf go? Why is it flat? What did I do wrong? Why is my loaf like weird? Why does it not taste right? Or why did it like rise and then cave in in the middle? Like, what did I do? And that's the middle school classroom and even other classrooms too, where you're like, did I add too much yeast? Did I leave it to rise for too long? Did I put the temperature like four degrees too hot in the everyone oven? Everyone is too salty. Yeah, everyone's too salty. Like, what did I do that made this loaf not turn out right? And the terrible thing is that sometimes you can't figure it out. You're like, I don't know if I added too much rising agent. <laughs> I don't know if I added too little rising agent. And that's so true with the middle school classroom. Did I hype them up too much? Did I not hype them up enough? Did I leave them alone in group work too long? Did I like, what did I do that made this class crazy? But then the wonderful, beautiful thing about in middle schoolers is, oh my goodness, they are so forgiving. Like you can have like the craziest class one day and the next day you'll come in and they are ready to go and they are not mad about yesterday and they are not annoyed and they did not bring that baggage with them. They are just here and it's a new day and the sun is shining and it's great. And today might be crazy and terrible too, or it might be amazing and wonderful, or it might be somewhere in between, but they are just ready to go with you the next day. Yeah. That age group is just nuts. <laughs> I mean... I've been really impressed though by many things with them. Like they are so eager to do everything. And, uh, you know, with college students, sometimes they're just sitting there and, and you're like, all right, who wants to do this? And there's silence. But in the middle school classroom, you say, would anybody like to collect these papers? And like 15 people are like, I want to collect papers. And there is a beautiful thing about the energy that they bring. And it's wild and it's challenging and it's exhausting, but it's also beautiful yeah no i've i've had less experience with the uh, middle school age group as a classroom i've dealt with them more on an individual level and it is very interesting you know it's the kind of before the complications of high school and college fit in which is a good thing and you can really capitalize on that but yeah, it can also be challenging because it's like, okay, you were great yesterday and who knows what you're going to get today. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have no idea. No, it's, no, it's fun. And so hopefully this, this gives people some ideas and inspiration for, you know, if you are facing these kinds of situations in a classroom as a part of a job or in a co-op or even just at home, um, that, you know, it's okay to use games and chaos as a learning experience and that it can actually be very beneficial. Encouraged even. 
Yeah, and it can be good for your learning too, because you know I personally also remember things a lot better from those kinds of experiences. Did I mention my? I can't remember if I mentioned this on the podcast. I know I told you this story. Remember the the kid I told you about who wanted to lead the commands in Latin? Oh, <laughs> that. Speaking of learning through chaos, this was one of my all time favorite moments this semester. Was this one kid in one of my classes collected? signatures saying that he should lead the Simon Says game for the day. Oh, gosh. And I knew it wasn't going to go well (laughs) in my heart of hearts. I knew it wouldn't. But I saw like, I don't know, it was like 20 signatures. It was a lot. They worked hard on it and it was hilarious and they made it so official. They were like, uh, you know, so and so can lead Dr. Jake was class for 10 minutes. And they got two other teachers to sign it, too, which was baffling but hilarious <laughs> and then one of the other teachers who signed it at crossed it off and said at dr jake was discretion which was quite funny <laughs> she was like i don't want to i don't want to sign you up for anything um but i was like okay that's funny so i told them okay if you're really good getting through this le- lesson i'll let that happen and they were good as gold they were quiet they were focused they were like let's make this happen and at the end i let them have those like three minutes not ten three and he tried he tried his best and and then and i eventually was like okay that's enough and i had him sit down and i brought the classroom back to order which took a while but you know just be aware when they go nuts be patient with bringing them back back to the quiet level into lord of the flies it does but anyway he sat down and one of the other students was like so what was it like being the teacher and he was like it was awful no one listened to me (laughs) (laughs) and it was beautiful now you know what it feels like i was just laughing my butt off it was so funny and he's never forgotten it. But what he did forget was the pain of the experience. Because now he's like, can I do it again? I'm like, buddy, do you remember that no one listened? But it was just so funny. It was just a great moment. The whole class had fun. And it was chaotic. But I think, you know, there was a learning value to that experience. and Because I knew it wasn't going to go well. I mean, there was no way that was going to go well. But they had fun. And they bonded over it. And... I think he learned something about what it's like trying to take charge of a classroom full of people. How hard it is when nobody listens to you. Yep. So, you know, that's why we say here, we embrace the chaos. And sometimes the moments you think were chaotic that didn't actually go somewhere had a value that you haven't foreseen or understood. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's probably a good place to end our final episode of 2022, which is 2022 wild. And this, I really, this has been a very interesting experience because we actually have quite a few listeners. Yeah. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, We're just, like you said, you know, we're, we're, we're just a couple of nerdy people who are enjoying rambling about things that we have fun with and sharing some of our experiences with whoever's out there and feel free to share subscribe wherever you get your podcasts we encourage uh viewer questions or not viewer but listener listener questions yeah listener questions audience questions yeah and we are both accessible by email so and we enjoy interacting with people listening to the podcast um 
and yeah i way more than i expect that like oh yeah maybe two people will listen to it once <laughs> yeah no it's actually been pretty successful for such a niche little podcast so yeah. thank you thank very you for, much yes, we really appreciate it we're we're just having fun and if people i i really hope people are you know getting some good ideas and inspiration from this and we would love to hear from anyone about many of this stuff yes definitely thanks for listening if you like this podcast please be sure to subscribe for future episodes for more information, you can visit our website, museoneducation.com. That's spelled M-U-S-E-I-O-N, education.com. Also linked in the show notes. We wish you a happy language learning journey.